The scripture reading this morning will be John 13, verses 1 through 7. It's on page 763 of the Pew Bibles in front of you. Again, it's John 13, verses 1 through 7. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Jesus makes some specific comments about uh, serving one another, about doing the things that he would do. And I have a request this morning. There's something that I need. I need somebody who is willing to serve communion to Margaret Tidland this afternoon. We have a communion set that is available and can be prepared, and she would love to have communion this afternoon. And if you're able to do that, that would be fantastic. We also need someone who can do the same thing for Mike Cutchen. And so if you are a person who thinks, I've got some time this afternoon to serve communion to two people who would love to have it, then please come and see me after the service today, and I would really uh, appreciate that. That would be fantastic. Mike Cutchen and Margaret Tidland. These are people who have for a long time served this church and been members here, and right now they're not able to be here, and uh, we'd love to be able to bless them today. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd bless us today as we look at a portion of your word. Help us, Father, to understand some things that you want us to see and to understand and for our lives to be changed by what we see, hear, and read. Father, we thank you so much for the example of Jesus, the way that Christ showed to us what it means to live before you in a way that's filled with service and devotion. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be filled with the same kind of devotion that we see in your Son. And it's through him that we pray. Amen. Philosophers, namely Plato and Aristotle, when they're talking about happiness, talk about virtue. And what they say is that the striving after virtue and the attempt to gain happiness represents the greatest call upon human life. They would say that happiness is what all of us are striving for. And I think that Plato and Aristotle have a point. Like if I just ask you, what is it that you want most out of life? One of you might say, what I want more than anything out of life is to be successful financially. But what you really mean, I think, when you say that is that you think that financial success is going to lead to your happiness. If someone else was to say, what I want more than anything is to be loved. And indeed, people say that. You might be feeling that this morning. You might be a person this morning who is thinking to yourself, what I want more than anything else in the world is just for someone to love me. 
And if that's the case, you would fit in with all those other billions of people who just want to be loved. But I'm wondering if being loved isn't just an element that goes into happiness. Because when you say, I want to be loved, what is it that you want to get out of love? You want to really experience happiness. And you think that maybe love is the key to you having happiness. Well, Plato and Aristotle thought the same way. They thought that the way to get that was through virtue and the good life. That by living a good life, a person could move in the direction of happiness. I think they have a point. I don't know, if the, I don't know that that's ultimately what makes a person happy to live the good life. But then again, Jesus said some things that are not that far from that. Now, by the way, we're not talking here about momentary happiness. I'm not talking about something that will last only for a season. We're talking about lifelong happiness. We're talking about ultimate kind of happiness. And I think they were as well, Plato, Aristotle, other philosophers, as they thought about what it means to be happy. They were thinking about ultimate kinds of happiness. Now, what I would say is that they need God to clue them in entirely about what it means for a person to be happy. The thing that was missing so much in their lives would have been an understanding of who Jehovah was for the Jews at that point in the world's history. They were living in around 300 BC or so, just prior to that perhaps. And so if they had a better understanding of who Jehovah was, who Yahweh was for the Jews, they would have been in a better place. But at least I have to appreciate that they were doing something there that was uh, a striving after something important instead of just the shallow things. Well, I want to say some other things about this this morning, but I need three volunteers to come up and help me today. And I don't care who they are. I haven't chosen anybody in advance. I just need three of you from the audience today to come and help me. Jacob, come on up. You're one. Okay? We have a teenager now. I don't want the whole group to be filled with teenagers. And so I'd like for others to come and join Jacob up here. And Jacob, I have a chair for you to sit in, since you're the only one so far that's volunteered. You can sit right in the middle. Oh. <laughs> you can sit right in the middle. Come on down, Juan. Now we have Latin American representation. We're doing very well. Somebody else? Buffy, come and join us. Wonderful. Female representation, too. It's a, it's a diverse group that we have up here this morning. I'm glad that we do. Thank you very much, all three of you, for volunteering. I appreciate that. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on three questions uh, that I'll put up on the screen, and I'll ask you guys to each stand and come to the microphone one by one, and, uh, and I want you to respond to the question uh, that I'm going to ask of you this morning, okay? Not hard questions, okay? Not hard questions for sure, okay? Buffy, would you like to be the first? Let me rephrase that. Will you come and be the first? Okay, very good. Come and join me here. Okay. Searching for happiness. I don't know if you can see that because of all the things in your way here. But that question says, and they can see this too, would you say, and I'm going to ask for more than just a simple yes or no answer here, would you say that to live life as God intended and instructed, in other words, to do his will, will lead to our greatest ultimate happiness. 
Would you say that to live life as God has intended and instructed, in other words, to do his will, will lead to our greatest ultimate happiness? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell, tell me why it is that you say no. Uh, because I don't think that... How do I put this? <laughs> um... I don't recall anywhere in the Bible where it said that if you do everything that I tell you, you're going to be happy. Okay. Okay. Very good. I appreciate that answer. Very good. So if the Bible did have a verse that said, do everything just as exactly as God tells you to do it, and you will end up happy in the end, do you think you'd believe it then? I think there'd be a lot more Christians. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Okay. I, I think that I'm in agreement with you. Like, the Bible doesn't specifically say that... This is the road to happiness. Now, I will tell you this. Just because the Bible doesn't specifically say that, I don't know that it's not true. Like, it might be possible that doing everything that God wants us to do could, in fact, lead us to happiness, even if the Bible doesn't specifically make that point. Would you say that's a possibility? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a seat. Jacob, come on up, sir. I've got a question for you. This is a longer question, Okay. You may have to really think carefully on this, but I think you can do it. Is it right to say that Jesus lived the perfect human life, one totally in line with the will of God, and that therefore to live just as Jesus as a human lived, separate from the things he did in his life that are there because he was also divine, is to, give, is to live as God intended for all humans to live. In other words, let me shorten that for you a lot. <laughs> Do you think that God wants us to live like Jesus? No. Okay. Tell me why it is that you think maybe God doesn't want us to live like Jesus. Because we're not Jesus. That's not a bad answer. <laughs> there, there are things about Jesus that separate us from him, right? Like, like what would you think separates us from Jesus? We're not perfect. Okay, we're not perfect. I agree. We, we tend to sin. He didn't. What else would you say separates you from Jesus? We all don't have beards. Do we, can we guarantee that Jesus had a beard? Like, does the Bible specifically say that he had well, a beard? he didn't really have enough time to shave, so I'm, I'm assuming that he would have a beard. Okay. It's definitely a possibility that Jesus had a beard. We'll at least say that. Okay? And... If you think about that, like in answer to my question, if Jesus did have a beard, the, most of the ladies in our room today would be in trouble in terms of living exactly the way that Jesus would want them to live, wouldn't you say? Yes, most of them would. Okay, very good. Okay, Jacob, thank you very much. I appreciate that. There are times when you do something like this and it goes absolutely perfect, and then there are times when it doesn't. Juan? But, but it's, like, it's like the time that Jeff Wallen was reading a, a passage of Scripture in front of 7,000 people, and he told everybody to turn to a certain verse that wasn't there. And at, at, when, he, when he got there himself and realized that that verse didn't exist, he looked at the crowd and he said, you know if there would have been that verse there, I would have done something with it. <laughs> One, I have a question for you. Okay. Is it accurate, is it an accurate thing to say that the example of Jesus Christ as a human being is largely sufficient in modeling for us what it means to live out well the human life God gives us. 
And couldn't we say that to live as Jesus did is to live best so that to live like Jesus is to live with the greatest amount of happiness? And before you answer, it just seems to me like this is a little, kind of a summary in some ways of the questions that we've looked at so far. Okay? You want me to read it again? Could you summarize the question, please? <laughs> I think... No, I won't say I think. The question is asking, did Jesus live well before God, and because he did, do you think that points in the direction of us, if we live like him, living out a life of happiness? Tick-tock, tick-tock. See. Okay, very good. And aside, aside from the fact that you're from Venezuela, why would you say see? Yes. Well, I guess I... I and uh, why well, I will say that depending of your happiness definition, you could address this question one or, or the other way. For me personally, Jesus gave me a good example for happiness okay. for my future. Okay, fair enough. Very good. Have a seat, please. Gracias. Yeah, thank you. Now, I haven't excused them, and that's because there's more left to do. Okay. I know a little bit about each one of these persons, okay? Like, I know that Buffy, if she still is, uh, a little while ago was working at a Starbucks, a Tim Hortons. My last day was yesterday. Your last day was yesterday. I'm out of date, okay? <laughs> was it a Starbucks, though? Yes. Okay. She was working at Starbucks. I knew that uh, up until yesterday. <laughs> if I was to ask Buffy whether or not living out a life devoted to all the ideals of Starbucks, whatever that might mean. If I was to ask her whether or not she thought that that was going to lead to ultimate happiness for her, my guess is that your answer would be no. No. Okay, I, 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 that's my answer too. I would have thought that perhaps that wasn't the case. In fact, if that was the case, she wouldn't have been done working there as of yesterday. Okay, so something has happened that made Buffy or her employers think that this was not going to be the perfect situation. <laughs> See, I don't know any of the details, Buffy. <laughs> that this was not going to be the perfect situation in terms of either Buffy or her employers <laughs> reaching ultimate happiness. Okay? So that relationship is coming to an end. Okay. So that, and that has happened, obviously, because it wasn't absolutely perfect for some party involved there. Okay? And I would say that had I asked her a question about uh, not just working at Starbucks, but if I'd asked her about motherhood, uh, or I'd ask about her desires to be an actress or an affiliated with uh, performing arts, which I happen to know is uh, a love of hers, that also, if I was to say, do you think this will ultimately lead to your happiness? I think she would say no, okay? That there are other things that might be more important uh, for her to reach ultimate hap happiness, okay? Now, Jacob... You're a student. Do you like school? No. Okay. He doesn't like school. So for him to be a student, it would appear, is not going to be the answer ultimately for Jacob's happiness either. If I said to Jacob, Jacob, what would you think about just being in school the rest of your life? Would, would that be fulfilling for you? You would likely say no. No. Okay. And I, and I think that's probably true based on the evidence that I have in front of me, that he's kind of saying, no, being a student is not going to ultimately fulfill me. 
Now, I happen to know, even if Jacob hasn't thought all of this through yet in his young life, I happen to know that being uh, the son of Terah and Bob, uh, being the brother that he is to his sister and brother, uh, the career that he is someday going to have, none of those things do I think are ultimately going to bring Jacob the kind of happiness that he might ultimately want to have. And Jacob, even if you're young li- in your young life you don't see that yet, this is something that you should listen to because it really is true that beyond school you'll get out and do something else and that also will not be ultimately going to take you to happiness. In fact, the decision that you made on Friday night and your baptism, that's the place where a person is going to start moving in the direction of happiness and not these other things that might be possible for you. Okay? And then I I know Juan fairly well. I know that Juan works in the oil and gas industry. I know that he does a lot of traveling because of that. He'll go to Latin America uh, quite a bit because of his traveling uh, in order to make that possible. I know that he has a wife and two beautiful little girls and that he's very happy with all of that. But even with Juan having all that he has, and I'm sure that you have a good job and you probably enjoy your job. I don't know if you like your boss. Maybe you're going to be in Buffy's shoes one of these days soon. You know, it's hard to say. But, but no matter what Juan's situation is, I, th- I think I can ask Juan the question and be fairly confident of the answer that being the oil and gas representative that you are, or being even the father and husband that you are, that you probably would say that those things are not going to ultimately be the reason why Juan ends up happy. Would you say that that's the case? Yeah. And I would agree with you. Now, what's really neat is that today, for these three people and for all of you, I have a special opportunity. And the special opportunity is this, that for these three people... And for those of you who are watching, I get a chance to actually tell them, to describe for them how it is that in this life they can actually find happiness. Now that's significant. Because our world is filled with people who are not happy. The majority of people, I would say, in our world are not happy. There's a good chance that the majority of people in our audience today are not happy. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that, but there's at least a possibility. It's certainly possible that the three livelihoods and things that these, have, these people have going on in their lives, that those things, although in some cases may be very good, they're not ultimately making them happy. And so I have the privilege of changing that for them today. And I'm quite serious. Like I have an opportunity today to kind of, I won't say set them straight, that'd be a little bit harsh, but to clarify for them what it might mean for them to be happy. And let me start by saying this. I think that Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens the writer, had it correct. How many of you have read or know of the Christmas story? Most of us. There is a star character in the Christmas story, and his name 
is Ebenezer Scrooge. And the name Scrooge has become almost proverbial in our society. If I say, you're a Scrooge, everybody knows exactly what I mean. That means that you're kind of tight with the purse strings. Maybe not just kind of tight with the purse strings, probably really tight with the purse strings. If I say, you're a Scrooge. Probably, if I say, you're a Scrooge, you've got a certain attitude about life and about others that isn't very attractive and certainly isn't taking you anywhere in the direction of happiness. And so if you go through the Christmas story, that story in one sense really is about happiness and about people trying various ways, namely Scrooge's way, to get happiness, and it doesn't work. And so the Christmas story is the unfolding to Scrooge of the idea that happiness is going to lie elsewhere than what Scrooge thinks. He thought that if he could get all of his employees pinched, if he could count every coin and be very careful, that somehow that might lead him to happiness and it wasn't working. And so in the end, you know the story, at the end, he goes and has someone go buy the largest turkey in town, or maybe it's a Christmas goose. And take that to Cratchit's house. Because Bob Cratchit, who doesn't have many things, has a small child there who also needs some help. And Scrooge's life is turned around by seeing the implications of his life on the lives of others. And he eventually sees that what he really needs to do in life Instead of being the penny pincher that he is, he needs instead to focus on those around him and give to them things that they need. And that really is where happiness will be found. Now, what's interesting is the story is called the Christmas story. But do you think that Charles Dickens chose that title for the story because of the time of year in which the story is set? I don't think so. Charles Dickens chose that for the title for his story because of the parallel between the story of Jesus, the Christmas story, and what humankind so badly needs. Because what humankind needs is to wake up to the fact The true happiness, lasting happiness, will not be found in our attempts to gain things. The only place that real happiness is going to be found is when human beings somehow clue in to the fact that God did something special when he gave humankind Jesus as an example of how it is that we're supposed to live. And when we live like Jesus lived, we for the first time have the opportunity to live out in our lives happiness. Look at this text. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, now that you know these things, you will be makarios if you do them. Now I put that word in there. That's the Greek word. But the word there in Greek, translated to English typically, is the word blessed. Now you know these things. You will be... Blessed if you do them. That's the same word in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lots of our Bibles these days will actually translate that word not as blessed, but as happy. And so happy are the poor in spirit. Seems like a total contradiction. Happy are those who mourn. That makes no sense. Happy are the meek. Why? So they can be run over? It doesn't make any sense. Except that it makes all the sense. Because when a person chooses to live like Jesus in his service of the world, it's the first time when human beings have an opportunity to actually be happy. Now that you know these things, you will be makarios, happy, blessed, if you do them, Jesus says. And so it's pretty clear to me that Jesus actually does want our happiness. The New Testament does say something about how it is that we're supposed to be happy. And it's not the way that we usually think in our world. Usually we think that my happiness is going to come from my accumulation of things. My happiness will come with the prestige that I gain from others. My happiness will come perhaps even when I think I am loved. And this text does not say that I'm going to be happy when I realize that I'm loved. What this text says is the only way to be happy is to serve other people. That's the whole context here. You will be happy if you do them. And so if I'm, how old are you, Jacob? If I'm 14, and I'm thinking to myself, I would like to have happiness in my life. Jacob, I'm telling you today, my friend, the way for you to pursue happiness, you have started down the right road. Now I would say go and serve others like Jesus did. It's the only way I know that you, my friend, will ever be happy. And of course, I'm saying the same thing to the two of you and to all of us. Jesus says to clamor and strive after things won't cut it. But to choose to be the servant of others will be the source of you receiving what Plato and Aristotle and Jesus and every other human being that has ever lived strove to have in their lives happiness. And Jesus tells us that to live like him 
and to serve others, will bring it. I believe that. Let's pray. Holy Father, today we again, maybe in a new way, give our lives to you. God, we want to be changed people. We want to have an impact on our world. We even want to be happy. And God, you have given us a means. And Father, I pray that you would help each person here to take up the call on, in their lives to be servants of yours and servants of others. And help us, Father, to seize the opportunities that come our way. Father, I don't want to serve just so I can be happy. But I do know that in service to you that I can find happiness. I pray that you would bring that to all today. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. There's two keys to our happiness then, folks. What you have to do in life, you must begin to think of in terms of service, doing it in order to serve others. Whatever you have to do, think of it not as something you have to do, but as something you have opportunity to do in order to serve others. You go to work, you spend a lot of time at work. Why are you working? There must be a way for you to think of your work as something that you do to serve others. I think it's a key. When not doing what you have to do, you need to want to serve others and then get about serving them. When you're not doing what you have to do, you need to want to serve others and then get about serving them. And I think that these are two keys to your happiness. What you have to do, think of it as service to others. Find a way to serve in what you have to do. And when you're doing something other than what you have to do, use your time to serve. Get about the task. And God will bless you with his happiness. Let's stand and sing. Thank you very much.